So, my beautiful husband, don't tell him I told him he's beautiful, but he is quite beautiful. He's working today. It's going to be a crazy month for him, so please be praying. He's pulling in 70 hours a week, and that doesn't include his hours as church. So, really be praying, because that's a lot. When you think, these are, we are not career pastors, so don't act like we are. We have a career, and then God says, oh, on top of that, I'd like you to do this. So I really want you guys to be praying, because that's a lot of hours. And then to come home, and all of these graphics, and all of this stuff, Matt does. So I'm thankful, because I can't do anything. I can't even find a font, you guys. Like, understand. What's What's that? I got pretty embarrassed. I had to have help with like pretty basic things with computers. And I said, I used to understand them. But when you live with people who really understand them, what happens is you just don't do anything. Like I don't, like even today I'm like, Jordan, can you do, can you do this for me? Because I'm basically brain dead when it comes to computers because it's so easy just to take it to Matt and say, uh. (laughs) Or he'll be trying to tell me, he's like, you know what? Let's just save a fight. Give me, just, just let me do it. You know, because I'm kind of like, I can do this. He's like, yes. But what you can do in an hour, I can do in like 30 seconds. So, you know what? I'm just going to find people who are good at that. You know, it's been too many years. So I am thankful for him. I'm praying for him. Um, you know, I'm going to continue on faith, like, I love it. Whenever you go into something like faith, God's like, oh, I'm going to give you so many opportunities to stretch out. <laughs> you know, we were saying, I just want to be in your presence, man. I just felt like today, I'm just like, Lord, I'm so thankful yeah. to be here in your presence. That's right. Like that you want to be with me. And, and the Lord's like, just had me look over at you guys. And he's like, don't you just love them? I'm like, yeah, this is like such an awesome church and such an awesome community. And the Lord's like, I know. I just sent them. They, they're, just, they're just my favorites. Of course, it was me, and then you get them. <laughs> he goes this way, not this way, you know. I told him that, God. No. So I'm going to continue. I'm going to talk about servants, stewards, and slaves today. Okay? Um, I'm going to continue in Joseph. I, I love Joseph. How many of you guys love Joseph? I love it. I don't know if it's, you know, I think I love having the big family. He was the baby and spoiled. We have no correlation there. I was the baby, but I was not spoiled. True story, I was not. Um, What happened in my family is my mom and dad, they had seven children. Most people would think seven, number of perfection. No. Well, they thought so too, so... You know, seven kids and like, they were all like within a couple years of each other. Then, six years go by. Whoop, there's another one, okay? So my sister was kind of like the baby. Um, And then my mom said, well, I can't just leave her here by herself. So then they had me. (laughs) So she kind of got baby because, you know, after seven years, all the kids are like, oh, I want to hold her. I want to change her diaper. I want to do this. And it was really exciting. You know, she gets everything. And then after I came along, like, we've been doing this already. It's not as fun. You know, (laughs) they were like, go play in the dirt. Ask my siblings. They will tell you that I used to go out and play in the dirt. I play in car. You know, 
I just was like this loner child. I know that's hard to believe about me, but I literally just played by myself in, in the dirt with clothespins and whatever else I could find. I didn't really play with toys because, you know, just the way it is. I could find, I could have funny thing. I, I just wasn't, so I know it's, so I don't know, maybe I kind of, you know, recognize with Joseph a little bit. Um, and when you're the youngest, you're the smallest. Because you got to think of when, when his brothers could overtake him. So, you know, I had, you know how many brothers I had? You know how many brothers too many that is? <laughs> I also had this many sisters. Mm. That many girls in a house with one and a half baths, you guys. I know what it's like to be in a pit. <laughs> There's only two doors that locked in the house. And when my mouth got ahead of me, and my siblings were much older than me, I had to figure out if I could say something and make it to my parents' bedroom and lock that door before, before they got their hands on me. Most of the time I made it. One time I didn't, and we busted the door jam. And we... Then we all got together and fixed it before my parents got home <laughs> because it wasn't as, you know. Um, because even though I was a loner, I was kind of like Joseph, I was born feisty. You know, you can break every bone in my body, but you are not breaking my spirit. Pain is not a big deal to me. <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I think about Joseph as just, you know, I can, I can identify with him in his life and having this huge family and there's always this like competitiveness and, and biding for time and, and all of this stuff. And, you know, Joseph, he, he was a favorite. And I also identify because he had this extravagant dream life. You guys, that is my life since I, dreams, if I don't dream a night, I didn't sleep. So I'm like, okay, I identify with Joseph. He's got a lot going on. He had this huge, full life. You know, he went from the spoiled, big mouth, you know, arrogant little brat to this helpful, trustworthy, kind, forgiving, powerful man of God who led nations, actually saved nations. Um, You know, and this is basically his story is all about grace and faith. He needed a lot of grace, but he also had to have a lot of faith. I don't know if I was him, if I would have made it out of the pit, because I probably would have mouthed off to the people who were transferring me to the palace. <laughs> they probably have been like this one they thought at the time, you guys. But he did. You know, he had faith. He knew what God said to him. God gave him a dream. He said, oh, this is what's going to happen. You know? So he was in the pit, and he's thinking, well, it hasn't happened yet. So it's not over. So, you know, we all know he went to the pit and then he went and worked in the palace. You know, he was a good steward to someone else's property. And, you know, like me, he was super good looking and, you know, that got him in trouble. (laughs) Guys, I was supposed to be funny, but, you know, I'm just teasing you. So, and then, you know, he goes to the prison and, and eventually, you know, his dreams bring him out in front of Pharaoh and, and basically he's like, you're in charge of everything. You're smart. Also like me. <laughs> so he's, he's now like leading this and he, he's doing all this. So basically I'm going to start right in Genesis um, 
50, 15, it says, After Jacob died, Joseph's brothers were worried. They were afraid that Joseph would be mad at them for what they had done years before. They said, maybe Joseph still hates us for what we did. So the brothers sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he told us to give you a message. He said, tell Joseph that I beg him to please forgive his brothers for the bad things they did to him. So now, Joseph, we beg you, please forgive us for the bad things we did to you. We are the servants of God, the God of your father. Um, That message made Joseph very sad. He cried. His brothers went to him and bowed down in front of him and said, We will be your servants. Then Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. I am not God. I have no right to punish you. It is true that you plan to do something bad to me. But really, God was planning good things. God's plan was to use me to save the lives of many people. And that is what happened. So don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And so Joseph said kind things to his brothers and made, this, and made them feel better. That is probably not how I would have responded. Those of you that are responders, that is probably not how you would have responded. You know? Yeah, it's all good. You tried to kill me, throw me away, but I'll take care of you and your family. You know, that was not the norm. He could have destroyed them. He could have imprisoned them. He could have put them to death, and he would have had a right to do so. He would have been completely, you know, by the law, had a right to do that. So he did what was different. He said, oh, no, 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 I'm going to take care of you. He gave grace before the great, here's the thing is, we see grace, him giving grace before Jesus came to abolish the law and give grace. Jesus is in every book of the Bible long before he came to that manger. So Joseph, because of his relationship with the Lord, gave grace before people even knew what grace was. He was a forerunner, a pioneer in his relationship with the Father. I don't know when that happened, whether it was in the pit or when he got to the prison, but he began to live in the fullness of God wherever he went. I mean, if you can be happy in the prison and then be, you know, leading the prison while you're in prison, (laughs) that's kind of a big deal. He was basically a visual aid of what God was going to be sending. He showed the grace He laid down his life for others. God, he was like a little taste of saying, oh, if you think this is amazing, let me tell you what's coming. The law would be abolished and grace would be the new thing in the earth. That's what he was saying. There is something new coming. People didn't get it, did they? You know, because they were still, they had to lie and say, our dad said this. You know, you can't go against dad. He told us that you had to be nice to us after he was gone. Because they were scared that he loved the dad, but he didn't love us, right? So, so they were still lying and cheating to get there. And he's, and he's sad. He's like, you guys, if I wanted to kill you, if I wanted to destroy you, 
it would have happened already. I know exactly what you did. It's a new thing in the earth. It was, it's different than what had always been. You know, it was an eye for an eye. You sin, you stole something from me, I'm cutting your hand off. Yeah. Oh, you know, I hope you're not right-handed because there it goes. <laughs> you know, sorry, that's how you learn your lesson. We don't get these cushy, you know, helicopter parent lessons. They didn't do that under the law, you know, like we do. Oh, I'm going to scold you, but not really. <laughs> But Joseph's like, I'm not doing that. You know? But there was a... He basically, he paid a price to pioneer, you know, to live in grace in a time there wasn't grace. Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. He couldn't see what was coming. Do you think that he knew when he was you know, in that pit, what was going to happen? What was he doing? Hey, guys, I know, joke's over. Come back, get me. (laughs) He didn't know that, you know, in the next decade, his life was going to be completely different, in a completely different country, a completely different outcome. He probably thought, you know, you know, when your brothers are locked, I've been locked in lots of closets and cellars and things like that because I told you I had four brothers, Okay. I tell you, we had a cellar, and it was scary. Horror movie. Scary. Like, you go under the house, and it's, like, all dirt, and scary. Yeah, I got locked in there lots of times. I have a little fear of cellars, you guys. (laughs) Okay, so I understand how Joseph felt. Like, he's probably thinking, they're going to let me out. Wait till mom and dad get home. You know, like, when they go home without me, they're going to be in trouble. Well, that didn't happen. They didn't come back. So he had to have faith and, okay, God, you said this word. You said that my family would even bow down to me. And I'm in a pit. And they're going to have to get real low because <laughs> there isn't much where to go. How are they going to? But he, he took that word, and even though he couldn't see the outcome, that's where his faith came in. He was like, you know what? I'm in the worst situation, but God said... That's faith right there. But God said he could see that a Savior was coming before he knew that what a Savior was. That is real good. Sometimes I can't even see tomorrow. You know, all my problems are so right here. I can't even see to tomorrow. The worst thing in the world to me is going on. You know, and God's like, Okay, you do know that tomorrow's going to happen. The sun's going to come up there. No, it's not. You don't know. You know? That's it. I'm done. Never said that, have I? The Lord's like, oh, you have said that so much. Uh, He wanted, you know, he had this relationship that he could hear from God, especially in his dream life. You know why God, is, it's so nice to have a uh, powerful dream life with the Lord? Because we shut our mouths. He's like, you can't talk back to me. I'm waiting until you fall asleep because you don't listen when I'm talking to you. So when you fall asleep, I'm just going to tell you what you need to know. Because you're in awake, you're trying to be like, I'm powerful. And he's like, mm, that's not how this works. So um, I need a belt, you guys. <laughs> 
Um, so he's, he's, he's hearing from the Lord everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes. He heard it when he was in, with his family. He heard it when he was in Potiphar's house. He heard it, you know, when he was in the prison. He hears from the Lord. We as Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ. That means we are following what he's doing. We are not church people. We're not church people. We're the church. We're not looking at Christ, admiring him. Oh, look at what Jesus did. I'm just going to sit here on Sunday. You know, when I hear something that should have amen. Amen. And just be all holy. You know? No, we're supposed to follow. You know what, Jesus? He riled things up. Church people did not like Jesus. They did not like him. Because they weren't going in the place he was going to. They were not following him. They were not Christians, Christ-like. Don't be church people. You know, we're not going to do that. Basically, there's only three destinations in ministry. And I'm not talking about ministry like, well, I'm not in ministry because I don't lead this or do that. I'm talking about your life as a ministry. When you become a Christian, that's your ministry, your life, every day. Feeding your kids, that's your ministry. Getting up, getting dressed, going to work, that's part of your ministry. So there's only three destinations in ministry for you. You ready? That means your relationship with God. There's only three. You're either a servant, a steward, or a slave. Joseph knew how to be a servant in his father's house. He did. You know, he did what he was asked, asked, but he still made his own decisions. There still was pay. Servants still get payment, right? It's something in it for him. He was serving because he was going to get an inheritance. You know, but he still had freedom. So he did a really good job. You know what his dad told him to do? He did. You know, Joseph, he was a really good steward in Potiphar's house. He was never, none of that was his. He wasn't inheriting anything of that. He wasn't going to get anything from that. You know, in the end, he, he was stewarding and making Potiphar's life easier, better, and more successful. Okay, so he went from being a servant, like, okay, I love this house, and... You know, I know there's something in it for me to be, you know, I'm going to take everything here and I'm going to put honor on the household I'm in. It's a good steward. But see, he didn't stop there. Mm -mm. In prison, you see that his pride, you know, his little pridefulness when he was like at his brother's, ha, 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 I'm going to be over you. You didn't see that anymore. (laughs) That was kind of, (laughs) he was done with that. You know, that's where he he grew, he, he learned how to submit fully and give glory to God. He gave his life over and he said, God, whatever you have calling me to do, I am now a bondservant to you. No matter what happens to me. That's when he became a slave. Not because he was in prison, but because he gave every part of his life fully over to the call God had on his life. That is really good. No matter where, you know, where he was, he's like, I'm doing the will of God for my life. He didn't choose to be over the whole nation and save other nations. God chose that for him. 
And he said, okay, I had to give up my family. I had to give up my land. I had to get up, give up years of my freedom because I am a slave to whatever you have asked for me. I know that there is, you know, there's nothing in it for me. I'm not waiting to inheritance to get something from you. Whatever you ask, I will lay, ask, I will lay my life down for it. And he did. Um, numerous times you see that. Um, in Genesis uh, 47, it says, 47.19, it says, Surely we will die while you are watching. But if you give us food, we will give Pharaoh our land and we'll be his slaves. Guess what? Everybody we talk about, oh, the Israelites were enslaved. They chose to because the grace that was on Joseph was so amazing and he was so committed and submitted to the Lord that they said, wow, slavery under this country is awesome. Please take us as slaves because you take care of us. They asked for that. They asked for that under Joseph because he was so... So he could hear from the Lord so well that there was such favor on the land that they asked to, we don't want to be under what we're under. We want to be under you. How many of you guys think that you would choose to be a slave to another country? They asked that. It's right here in Genesis. We will give Pharaoh our land here. Everything we have is yours. And we will be your slaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get all like, I can't believe, you know, the Egyptians enslaved our people. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what's in the word of God, is it? Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, wow, Joseph had such a walk with the Lord that people wanted to be under that authority and submit 100%. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So they went willingly into this. They laid down their life and said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to submit under this because it's good. And Joseph took care of them. When you become a good servant, you know, you get promoted to be in a stu- to stewardship. That's where most of us kind of, you know, we, we like to be servants. You like to be stewards. But if you get real good at being a steward, you get to, you get to be a slave. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of like to be in that servant mode. I'm a servant of the Most High God. You know, we can say all these words. You know, you do a little bit here, a little bit there. But, you know, when push comes to shove, it's like, well, I'm just a volunteer. Oh, don't, don't worry, I already know that. It's a little bit. But mostly it's about you, growing you. Um, things that will benefit you, hearing a word for you, changing your life. You will serve and do things because there's a reward for you. Salvation, heaven, freedom, peace, right? Servants, that's where we are. They know they get paid. You know, I watch a lot of shows about... Um, I like like Victoria and Downton Abbey where there's the upstairs, you know, the rich, and then there's the servants. You know, they don't have as much, but they still have their choices in their life. They, have, they can have their own opinions, and they get paid at the end of the week. Okay? So that's where servants are. They are serving this household, but they have payment for it. There is something for them. It's easy to be there. 
you know, stewardship is basically taking care of something or someone else that's not yours. It's not yours at all, but you want it to grow. And when you get to slaves, you don't have any rights. Well, they don't, you don't know what they did to me. Well, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And God's like, but this is what I asked for you to do. They're doing the bidding 100% for another person. You're not even guaranteed that you're ever going to be acknowledged. And really, probably any work that you have done, you know, you don't even know if that's going to be taken from you and putting honor onto somebody else. Right? You know, Joseph knew how to level up. He didn't stay in that servant place. He could have stayed there. All he had to do is not say, you know, not say that about his brothers or get a little discernment and not say it when you're alone with all of your brothers. (laughs) He might have had a little problem with discernment, you know, but he had to level up. He knew he could have done a hundred things different could have done a hundred things different and he still could have you know had the favor of the lord on his life but he knew he was a forerunner and he looked he looked out to generations not out to what's my life going to be what's this he saw further than himself that's what christ did for us if christ didn't if christ didn't see and put that grace out there we wouldn't be here He could see further than ourselves. Your problems are not just your problems. That's a community in God's grace. Your problems are God's problems. He put that into order. See, just like Joseph, the whole nation's problems became his problems. You had a dream, now you're in charge of everything. Uh, I haven't even really seen sunlight for like a few years. Oh, I don't care. You're in charge of the world. So hope it works out for you. Otherwise, you know, you know, that's a pretty big, I don't know if I'd want that responsibility. But he had this ever increasing faith that he would do whatever God said he needed to do. Man, I'm sometimes afraid to get up in front of you guys. He gave his life to the one true God. He was spared as a servant. You know, his family's life was spared because he came into the house as a steward. But nation upon nation was spared when he laid his life down and became a slave. He gave up his life to someone else's cause. To Pharaoh's. Pharaoh didn't want his, his country to starve. He didn't go, well, what about my family? What about my nation? He never said that, did he? He said, I will serve and make sure you don't ever go without Pharaoh. He realized, it's not mine. None of it is mine. It's all you, God. No bitterness, no resentment, no punishment. You know, he was even brought to tears that his brothers still carried that guilt. He's like, you know, I can't go back and be like, and you did, and you said, and you don't understand. That's a victim mentality. 
And you know what? We are victors in Christ, so we don't have the right to play the victim anymore. That's right. That's good. That was so Very good. good. That is not in my notes, and I'm so happy that I, I got that down. We don't have the right to play the victim. How good is that? Yeah. You are never going to be the victim in any situation. You already know that. How good? You know what? You don't have to be like, oh, will this happen? No, I am the victor because we are not done yet. I may be sitting in the prison, but I'll tell you where I'm going. I will tell you where I'm going. You know, that was not a man who lived for himself. Mm. Joseph, come on. You know, where do you want to end up? Where do you want to end up? If you play a victim, you know what? You're going to spend your entire life in the prison. Some of you right now, you're living in the prison. You're doing all the right things. You're going to work. You're praying. You know, you're going to church. But you're living in the prison because you have stayed a victim and you don't believe what God has for your next season. You want to whine and cry what's happening in your life? You know, I love it when people come up and they think that I've had a perfect life. And they tell me how horrible... You know, and, and I give them compassion. And I'm like, would you like to really hear my life? Because I don't think you could actually handle everything. But see, I'm not a victim. I don't live there. And I said, I'm laying that down because God has a call on my life. And I'm not going to complain about my past or complain of, the, you know, of my sickness. And I'm not going to complain about where I've been. And I wasn't raised this way. And I wasn't raised this way. And these people hurt me. I think God put a big, huge mark on me that people say, you can, you can go up, you know what? Because he knows that no matter how bad you hurt me, that, you know what, I'm not going to hate you. You know how I learned to have that? You know how I learned to have love for people, even the people that treat me horribly? God sent a lot of people who hurt me in horrible ways. That's how I got good at that. That is really... That is how you get good at that. So if you're like, I want to be able to not be offended and to be a victim my whole life, then you're going to have to have some opportunities where that's, you know, just like Joseph, you're going to have to have some opportunities where that happens. Because yeah. I'm not staying a victim. I always told, I remember just growing up in all these crimes and different things throughout the years, and I said, I'll tell you one thing, I will never be. I might be dead, but I will never be a victim. True. Never. Come in my house in the night, you will find that out. <laughs> Don't come in my house in the night. That was a joke. Do not do that. Uh, one time, somebody knocked at my door at 3 in the morning when I, because my horse was in the road, and they were very scared. So don't knock on my door. If you do knock at the door, he was smart enough to knock at the door, run away, and go, oh, your horse is out. Please don't hurt me. Right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, nobody's taken yeah. what God has given me. That's right. That was a fun side one. but So where do we want to end up? What are we believing for? What are we standing on? What dream are you standing on? Do you even have a dream? Are you just trying to get by? What did God put in your heart? What dream are you standing on? You know what? You might be in the pit right now, yeah. but that doesn't, you know, you already had the dream. 
Go back. Remind yourself, what am I dreaming for? What did God say? What did God say? It's not the end because it hasn't happened yet. Right? If your dream hasn't come, you know, to full circle, you might be in the pit and be like, oh, I'm going to the palace because you know what? This still has to happen, and I know this isn't happening in the pit. Do you want something different for you? Do you want something different for you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want something different for your family? Yeah. Your church, your community. Yes. You know, it has yes. to go beyond you. Yes. Um, I learned something about wealth and poverty. And wealth, no, has nothing to do with money, that the investment comes in giving to people. There That's why, you know, there's so many grants and there's so many... Um, you know, opportunities to like, oh, this free money and things like that, because the wealth, no, that has nothing to do. Um, wealth comes from giving into people and taking care of communities and things like that. So if the world is starting to figure that out, we as the church should be way forerunners in that because God has been showing us that, that it's not about us. It's not about our little circle of things that are going on all the time. It gets bigger and bigger. We don't just have to be, well, I want to be out of the pit. You know, he probably, if, if he probably would have cried out to God, God probably would have brought his brothers back and he would have went back into the, the family. And they all would have died of starvation years later. And there would be no Israelites. Because that's that servant mentality, right? Only think about, if he thought about only himself there would have been no Israelite nation. They all would have starved, right? Yeah. Wow, so when we're thinking about our little issues, and they are big, in that moment they may be big to you, and that's okay, but also know there is something bigger. There's that nation. He's, he stayed there because he's like, you know what? Something's coming. What are you believing for? Is it just for you or is it the people around you? I know that you guys are a powerful praying church, and me and Matt have definitely felt it. We know that you guys, you know, have supported us, I know, as leaders, and we are so thankful because we would not, you know, be where we are without such an amazing community. But that's what we want. We don't want it to be just, you know, this little box that we're in. It's like we need to think even bigger. What are we believing for, not just for our our household or us, but what about the neighbors? What about other people in your community, our nation? What do you really want for your nation? Are you just on every Facebook complaining with everybody else and think you're going to change somebody's mind? Or are you praying? I like to choose leaders and then pray for them in private, and then I watch over what happens in the next years of their life. And powerful people. And I'm like, oh, I know that I, me praying is more powerful than a thousand people talking about this. Yeah, that's good. If we actually believed that, you'd start seeing some of those things. I started praying for this, um, this uh, the guy that does uh, Amazon, Jeff Benzo. And I started praying for him. First, I got a bunch of words of knowledge about his family. I didn't actually know who he was. I started praying for him in this last year. Go look and see what has happened in this last year in his life. And I'm not, I don't know, maybe he's a good man, maybe he's not, but God, I, God's like, choose somebody, and I want you to pray over their life. Get outside yourself. You know, they've had, 
I look and I'm thinking, that's what we need to do. And that's just somebody that I chose, you know, just out of random I'm going to do. But even, what are you believing for, for this town, this community? I'm really asking, what? You guys think about that. Don't leave here today. Write it in your notes. Put it in your phone. I am believing this for my family. I am believing this for our church. I'm believing this for my town. This is what I'm believing for my nation. Every single day, I'm going to speak the truth because what is the truth and what people say is the truth are not the same thing. I'm not going to just throw it up there once and be like, Lord, I hope it lands somewhere good, like on an angel wing or something. They can fly it off and it can make that prayer happen. You know? The fervent prayers of a righteous man or woman. Grab something to stand on and believe for. 40 days of faith. You know? What are you believing for? In my personal life, in Matt's personal life, we're believing for some pretty impossible things right now. And I'm going forward and people are like, oh, that does not look like that's going to work. And I'm like, I don't care. Good. That means I'm walking in faith. And I'm saying, you know, because it's easy when you're like, oh, I have this silent thing I'm not going to say out. I'm not going to tell anybody. Because then when it doesn't happen, then you didn't have to have faith. But when it's like, no, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, should I have said that, Lord? And the Lord's like, yeah. And I'm like, Mm, should I? <laughs> you know, put a step into motion. Don't leave, don't even leave your seat until you actually have something to pray for besides, Lord, take care of all of my problems and put me back in the cradle. If that's all you got, raise your hand. I will come help you find something to pray for. I'm your neighbor. I got a lot of things. I'm actually. You know, what are you going to pray for? What are you going to believe for? And if you are, guess what? You have people here and there are people that aren't here. Grab people that you know and say, hey, I'm believing for this. I'm putting it out there. I want you to agree with me. We're having that night of prayer, Mel and Ray's house, and that's going to be a night of prayer. It's not going to be like, oh, tell me your problems. I don't need to know your problems. I already have the answer because it is in Christ. You're a victor. You're a victor. You're a victor. You're a victor. There it is. There's the answer to your problems. You are victorious. You have eternity. You are going to live in righteousness forever. There's your answer to every single problem you have. Every single problem. You are a victor. You are a victor. Come on, you guys. You are a victor. That is exactly what Joseph was saying. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You are victorious. Quit listening to the enemy and letting him steal away what God has given you. Do you have that word written down? I can't remember it. Mel had a word yesterday, and he says everything you think that is going right for you that the enemy is giving you, he's actually going to take that for himself. So if you're lying or cheating or manipulating to try to get this thing to happen, he, you may think you're winning, but he's setting you up, if you are in that situation, to take that for himself. You will know the truth. The truth shall set you free. And you know what? We know the truth of what Christ said about us. I want to be a slave to the Lord. 
because anything he asks me, I'm going to do. You know, sometimes I'm like, please don't ask me to do that. And the Lord says, oh, you're going to do that and this now. You know? I can ask him, but he will, he will continually say, no, you're going to do this. I remember one of the things I asked him one time is like, Lord, I just, I just want a heart for this. And whenever there's an issue with this in my church, I want you to have me pray. So many nights, the Lord, even to still, he'll get me up. And he's like, oh, you asked me to have you pray anytime that someone was struggling with this situation. So now numerous times throughout the week, the Lord just gets me up in the middle of the night and I can't say anything because I asked him, right? And so I'm like, oh, but could they just have these issues between, you know, 7 a.m. and 10 p.m.? And the Lord's like, Sarah, you know that's not when the enemy comes knocking. That's not when the enemy comes knocking. And I'm like, oh, man. But, man, I am believing for big things. Good. I'm counting rows how we can move because I'm like, oh, Lord, you're filling this up. Yeah. You're filling it up. I remember when we had <laughs> two little rows. Yes. I'm like, spread the chairs out. Spread them out. And it was a small room. It was a small room, you know. I'm like, put your purse there, next to you. Looks like someone's sitting there. They just went to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Oh, it's reserved. <laughs> They're coming. Because that's how it is. I'm, saying, I'm expanding that's a tent stakes because, you know, what? I know that people need the freedom that I get to walk in and that you get to walk in. You know what? When people call me about the same situation over and over, and I'm like, man, you just need to spend some time in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Because, you know, everything looks like yes and amen in there, no matter what. When I am sick and I'm like, I just thought last time I was sick, I was actually overjoyed to be sick. I was like, oh my gosh, I have pneumonia, I have this, and look at everything I've done. Like, I've went and done this, and I cleaned my house, and I was like spending time worshiping in the Lord. And I'm like, wow, I can do this when my body is sick? Could you imagine when I get healthy what's going to (laughs) happen? Woo, man, I feel, do you guys feel the yes, shift? Yes. Because that's what you need to remember. That's right. When you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm going to come to church. Yeah. And you know, it's just because that's what a good Christian do. I don't want you to be a good Christian. That's right. I want you to be a phenomenal Christian. Yeah. I want you to be an overcomer. Yeah. Come on. That's right. It is so good. So we're just, you know what? I'm going to finish with an impartation today. So, do you need some? I couldn't. Oh, no. oh. Going to finish with the impartation today, okay? So, I just want you guys to hold your hands out. All right. So, Lord, I just thank you right now. Um, just the anointing that you have just put on me and Matt, Lord, we just right now, we just spread that forth into our community, into these people. Lord, I thank you that from this day forward, they will see themselves as the truth, that they are victors, victors, victors. Every single one of them is a victor in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that every one of their problems in this moment, right now, that every mountain is now a molehill. Lord, I thank you that they are going to come out. I just impart boldness over this place today. I impart truth over this place today, Lord, that the enemy cannot steal from them any longer. They have found the fox, and they are taking it out. 
Lord, everything that has been stole from them, we are just claiming back right now. I don't even want 30, 60, only a hundredfold. That is what we are claiming. No more. Lord, I thank you that, you know what? They're not staying in the pit. They're not staying in the, in the prison. They're not staying in the palace even, Lord. They are going to nations, nation changers. So Lord, right now, I thank you that every single person in here will be part of nation changing right now in Jesus name. Woo! I am like so excited, you guys. I am so excited. I can't even, you know what, coming in today, I'm like, Lord, I am feeling a heaviness. And he said, oh, that's because the weight's about to break. Can you feel that? Do you feel that weight? I'm just like, whoo, the weight's about to break in here today. I am so excited. I'm done preaching, but I can't stop preaching. I'm just so excited. I'm like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about him all the time. I'm going to tell you about the freedom that you walk in. So you guys, take that. Remember how you felt in that moment. Take it with you. Take it in because when you get home, that problem's waiting for you. It is waiting for you. You know what? Just like when I, in the 3 o'clock in the morning, remember that. Get your stick. When that problem comes, say, bring it. Don't go get a butter knife. Big. Big. Okay? You know? Everything that God puts in my hand is a weapon against the enemy. So you know what? That's what you got to think of. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not spreading this. I am spreading the victory in Christ. That's good. Because now, you guys, you have that. So now, there's a call on your life to bring it to fruition, to see the manifestation.